Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by UCAN. If you know me, you know I'm all about personalization and not having a one-size-fits-all solution. That applies to training, nutrition in general, and nutrition for training, and UCAN is another tool in the toolbox I've loved over the years. Along with professional athletes like Alexi Pappas and Meb, I've used UCAN for marathons in the past and have recently begun incorporating their Superstarch into my day-to-day routine and before my long runs for steady energy. Superstarch provides long-lasting energy and helps keep your blood sugar stable with tasty summer flavors like Cran Raz, Tropical Orange, and more. I also love their bars, particularly the chocolate peanut butter flavor as a late morning or mid-afternoon snack. Take 15% off your order at youcan.co with the code FTLR. Welcome back. Today I have a repeat guest joining me who holds the prestigious title of the most referenced man on <laughs> For the Long Run podcast, Peter Bromka, uh, guest of episode 10, I believe. Awesome. Peter, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back today. Thanks for having me again. Uh, much different times, um, but I, again, have a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee in my hand. So I, life is pretty <laughs> Of course good. you do. Yeah. So the last time we caught up on the podcast, you were... Uh, it was in Boston. We were less than six feet apart, and <laughs> you were getting ready to you were getting ready to run on Marathon Monday. Yeah. Today is um, July thirtieth, and times are a little different now. Oh, totally um, different. How how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I mean, I think you. What I see when I go online is like people who are existing either like in the larger existential world that we're in, like the actual world context or their own little context. Um, So, I mean, I think like anyone, we struggle with things right now. Um, But then I try to pop out of that and realize that I'm super fortunate and life is still really good for me. Um, But I think, you know, um, you still get dragged into feeling how you're feeling about like just the world. I mean, I was texting my good friend, Patrick, who's on the, Bowerman elite that I'm on and just saying that you know we come to the east coast every summer because my wife's from here and spend time with family and then I said it feels really weird not to be returning to a very big block of training on the horizon because I've done that now I realized for six years (laughs) Um, it's like you go east you run some miles on your own and then you get ready to come back and just grind through the fall um and that's been for cim it's been for new york um it's been for all these like amazing events and so we're trying to think about like a way to uh recreate some of that but it's certainly a whole different world definitely there were a half dozen things there that i'd love to dig in on um but let's start with with what you shared first um we're in weird times uh it's okay to feel how we feel and and we're all riding this roller coaster, but you do have to appreciate what you have. And, and with that in context, it's still okay to um, like, I've, I've struggled. And the goal of this podcast today is, is more of a sort of state of affairs. Where, where are we? Um, We did, Peter and I did a very, very um, deep dive into his own why and exploring like what, 
why he runs and and what motivates him about it and and particularly a lot about Boston in particular. So if that's if that's what you're looking for today, um, episode ten will will give you that. Um, this is going to be a much more topical and it's conversation. Fun, but I just have to stop you there. That's super fun to dive into because I I think I tweeted this at some point that I didn't realize until recently that I've been fortunate to be on a few podcasts that as the individual getting interviewed, if it's a long enough interesting interview like we had it's super fun it's like a little time capsule that you're able to yeah i'm able to go back and listen to that podcast the conversation we had and i mean our conversation was a part of the weekend um this amazing weekend that's sort of like i in my memory have a photo album of from beginning to end um and honestly i was thinking about i'm gonna take you on a tangent like Lindsay Krauss was saying how, you know, she's been posting about this wedding she has been planning and then how it has been postponed. And she had been really looking forward to it as this like w- day that she could look forward to as an amazing day she would remember forever. And I, having been married, like definitely know that feeling. But I also said like, I do that with marathons, like once or twice a year. Um, and I think of our conversation that a few days before Boston as it's like a bell curve, like it's the lead up to this crescendo. Um, and so I remember it fondly as part of this whole weekend that I hope to never forget. And um, it's fun to even go back to listen to part of that conversation where we get dive into like how I got to running and how I came back to marathoning because um, it was all part of this moment that I was hoping would go well and that did go well. And so it's super fun to revisit. Yeah, and and I appreciate you sharing that. And the other piece that's interesting is the the why it changes too. And the reason you're doing it changes. Mm. I definitely want to get into like, what, why are you doing it now? We were talking yeah. before we started recording, like um, we're grinding here through, you know, 73 degree dew points on the East coast and it's just brutal. And eventually, you know, you'll come out the other side with some, some fitness and yeah. hopefully some Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. <laughs> but, um, but, 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 yeah, we we are in this weird time when when there is no racing and we don't know when racing will return as we knew it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing these photos and videos of of races that are happening. It seems like only in Utah, um, but they're they're happening, and it's it's not what I like about racing. It's not um, what what they're doing is they're just setting up a timed course. And that's, you know, you can time trial that. Yeah. Um, it's like, what I love about racing is what you love about racing, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've seen, having seen the photos of you running Boston, I get the sense. Um, <laughs> it's, probably, <laughs> it's probably why we're friends. You know, like I've actually had people, yeah. close friends be like, you might want to tone down some of the showboating to the crowd. Because, um, you know, I definitely, <laughs> I, uh, and I, I will say as I've gotten, more and more serious about my time at Boston, like really buckled down. I've like incorporated more subtle ways of like taunting the crowd. I now just like yeah. lightly hold my fingers to my ear and I'm you like, now, now you wink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, rather than like I used to, I mean, I think 10 years ago, I once like jumped and, uh, you know, whipped my hand around and then like my calf seized and I was like, that was a horrible idea. Um, so, yeah. Like, so, so. You and I have the same approach to to that. Um, there there are photos of me at um, uh, jumping up Heartbreak Hill and oh. and like some of my like favorite photos. And then the same thing in um, 
Coolidge Corner. I was, you know, uh, it's like mile twenty three and a half, okay. and and I I ran that year with a um with a charity bib, and so I was I was in the you know twenty five thousands, and these people are running four and a half hour marathons, and and I'm or four out whatever it is, and I'm I'm run like blowing their doors off, jumping up and down and smiling and people are either like holy shit that's incredible or like fuck you dude like yeah. get, <laughs> get out, out of here, here with yeah. that <laughs> come on some of us are hurting here and you're like well we're all getting different experiences from this yeah so it's uh, right i mean exactly i uh i've been really trying to go through this tough process of thinking about how my favorite thing which are major marathons are sort of like gyms like a packed gym at a concert like while you know screaming like while moving like it's all of the worst um all the things i love most about it are the worst things for a COVID era um and so yeah there's people who it's been really interesting to see you know you talk to people about their why but just like seeing people post about different time trials and virtual races on social media um there are different forms of races taking place or tests i should say um and then they appeal to different types of runners and they have brought out the best and, you know, different types of people that I'm like, wow, I, I certainly couldn't do that, but hats off to you. Um, you know, everything from like these 5k time trials to people have done marathon time trials to my friend, Jason Iyer ran 200 miles and seven runs over one week. Um, it really, because why not? Um, right. And different challenges speak to different people. Unfortunately for me, uh, being like a, a very social person and um, it's only given me more time to realize that like, yes, it's about the journey and yes, it's about the um, like goals, but really it's, if I were to focus it, it's about the experience um, and setting yourself up to have like a crazy, exciting experience. And so a lot of that is on hold. Um and that's why I'm because that that piece requires other people, right? For me, traditionally, I would have. I mean, I would say absolutely. Um, but if I'm staring down a year of, you know, I'm at the point where I'm thinking about signing up for Boston 21, hoping it happens in the fall. I guess because I don't. I mean, I don't. We don't need to like speculate here, but like, I don't think I'm going to want to go to a major marathon next spring. Um, and so, right. but I have actually turned a corner recently where I'm interested in maybe putting some money down on a bib, um, because of, I think the accountability and the sort of like investment it would express. I, I hadn't had that interest at all until recently where I realized like, I kind of want to put some dates on the calendar, even if they're really far out and even if they would move, I guess. Um, whereas before I was like, this seems silly. The world's in flux. Um, I've gotten, I guess, used to some of the world being in flux and I'm like, I don't know, I might want to put some stuff on the counter. So, I've, I mean, I'm even thinking about this fall, like how could I, you know, pressure creates, you know, constraints create pressure, create opportunity. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm going to want to achieve anything this fall, how do I put some dates on the calendar, even if it's like three of my teammates and I are going to rip a 10K on the track? Um because minus that, you're going to be like, well, I mean, I got, blah, 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 but if I, I got to move that workout and maybe we do the 10K next week. And, and I just don't think, I still might 
get kind of fit, but I don't think I would create nearly the same level of just uh, marching towards a goal that I've been lucky to be a part of. Is that hard for you? It's hard. So super hard. Um, I mean, I've just had the time over the last couple months to think back on the last six years and how I've just layered, you know, marathon cycle on top of marathon cycle and how that's brought me all the way to the close to, you know, an OTQ and all these amazing experiences. Um, and so that's been hard, like for a lot of people. And now what I will say is I have this like Jaws style, like, dun -dun 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 -dun, um, which is that I <laughs> turned 39 last week. Um, and so there's a lot of unknowns about, you know, the relative performance ability of, aging runners um but i wouldn't say like well you know in five years i'll definitely be better <laughs> it's just hard to say that um part of my imagination still like dreams it to be possible but um objective markers wouldn't say it's likely and so um i had if you'd talked to me in january i'd been like screw masters running i have zero interest in masters running like i'll get there eventually but um I just want to keep ripping and there's no reason to look like pick my head up. Let's just keep our head down and keep going. Um, now I get, a, we all have too much time on our hands, even though we're like very busy with things and uh, to think about, you know, what will the next stuff be? And um, I'm trying to grapple with that. Um, what can the next couple of years be? And honestly, how do I make sure I'm, I really think about it. Like how do I do the things I need to do to not give up any of the, fitness that I've earned very over a lot of years. Do you, do you think that this break is good for you? Um, no, but I think it could be not horrible for me. I don't think I need, I don't think I needed it. Um, I think some yeah. people could really benefit from it. Um, I think there's any number of ways that like runners could gain from this period. Um, and also, you know, like we talk about, again, you see a lot of people posting gratitude for just being able to run because it keeps their life in balance. And I think that's absolutely true and absolutely important. Um, you know, in the scheme, again, it's like if you pop out in the scheme of things, um, you know, athletes missing seasons is not going to be like the biggest thing. Um, I got, but oh, there I, you are. Oh. Sorry, I think nope, I you're good. It. Yeah, um, you know, it's sort of like in an athletic context, you can be super frustrated, and then you do occasionally have to return to the life context where these are endeavors that um, only sort of matter. Um, and so that's where you kind of seesaw back and forth between. I mean, I, I see it in my own Instagram posts that I try to be honest about, and I post like, and I'll look and be, you know, expressing gratitude towards uh, you know safety and. Um, family and then I also have posted over the last couple of months about how pissed I was because like dreams are deferred and you're like what what is this I don't know what this is and it's it can feel very like ungrateful but it's also real and so it's sometimes just processing that and honestly a lot of times I just post those things because I imagine other people are going through it too um, not to get sort of support because I kind of have that um, amongst you know, close friends and people I can text and talk to, but, um, to say like, if you're feeling frustrated, like me, uh, you're not alone. 
Um, and this is real, even though, um, even though like staying healthy, honestly, in the COVID era is the number one priority. For sure. Um, which you talked about disappointment and frustration. I'm curious to dial it back or, or, um, look back to January and look at Houston. Um, what was, what were the minutes after that race like for you? Uh, and and for context, Peter is the the fastest non uh, the fastest well me and Jake. Uh, runner above two nineteen yeah. right there's, yes there's another guy Jake who finished just ahead of me at um, Houston <laughs> who uh, there's a horrible video of him sort of going head to hands to realize he probably just missed it uh, which is yeah pretty heartbreaking um, shot by Billy Yang which was pretty remarkable. Um, you know, so I've been trying to process this and I, I write about my races a lot. I think that's, I write about my running experiences and I think a lot of that plays into why I'm referenced on this podcast a bit is because I've <laughs> put a lot of those thoughts out there and they're easier to reference um, and come back to. And I, to tell you the whole truth, the experience right after Houston um, was this sort of like shock of just like, not knowing how to process what the world felt like because um, it meant the dream that I'd been chasing for two years was finally over um, and out of my grasp. And so I have yet to post anything about um, to write a piece or post a piece about it. And so what I actually did was wrote like a 6,000, almost 7,000 word piece in February in January and February. And then I realized, like, this is not the piece I want to post. This is not the piece I want to share with the world because what it is was just a process of working through the emotions and the experiences of the races in which I failed by two seconds to qualify and then I failed by 19 seconds to qualify and the incredible outpouring of emotion from, like, around the world to me and, like, so much support. And it was way too zoomed in. It was way – I was caught in that uh, moment and I wrote about it. And it was okay. It was an okay piece, and I'm happy to send it to someone. Um, but it didn't encapsulate the real experience that I hoped to. Um, and so I went skiing with a buddy, you know, before the trials after Houston, which was like a total blessing because I was like, oh man, I wouldn't have been able to go skiing <laughs> with you guys if I had a trials race in ten days. Um, right. And so we're sitting on the lift, like having a conversation, and he's like, you know, you're just you're getting out of a, a relationship. <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah. married and I'm like kind of laughed because I you know I'm in my late 30s and I remember <laughs> what that was like to be like oh yeah like um you're right uh, I was totally in this lifestyle for the last two years and it's weird to say that because as a runner my whole life and then a runner of seriousness like over the last handful dozens of years um you always feel like you're living some part of a dream or you're pursuing some goal, but then to like from the start of clicking post on the essay, burn the boat about how I was going to go for it to the finish line in Houston was this bubble that I entered and then got so used to that. It was just like the air I breathed. And then basically I can still picture it in my mind, like walking in the shoot, the finish shoot and getting the medal in Houston. And it was like 
an exit or a re-entry to the real world and the sadness of like, I don't want to be in this world. I want to be back in that world, but that's not no longer possible. Um, and so that's what I've been writing about more now. Um, and that's what I've been, allowed me to revisit those days and those, what all those moments meant. Um, and like trying to thread the needle between uh, the balance between like the micro moments that I think are really meaningful and I never want to forget. And also, uh, the larger, larger experience and the larger journey. Um, because I actually think the second is more interesting. I posted on Instagram a couple times that I had written a piece called the meaning of, uh, almost, which was like a working title I had for missing the OTQ for a second and third time, um, by a handful of seconds. And then I realized I didn't know how to answer the question. Uh, th that I was proposing. I just thought the title sounded nice and it s sounded like what I was writing about. And then I realized like, I don't know the meaning of almost like <laughs> what, what, do I, what, what a fraud. Like, why would I post a title that doesn't get answered in this piece? Because I don't actually think the meaning of coming close was what the experience was about. And so I'm writing about what that experience was because that's what I gained from the two years. And that's what I think is like most special to hang on to. So the piece, so it's, that's an interesting reflection on it. The piece that I've found um, on my end to be the, the most rewarding part of your experience. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but, but the piece that I found most interesting from your experience um, is how unsurprising the outpouring of, of um, appreciation and gratitude and support has been because you've taken people along for the ride and that's that's what matters to me that's what mm. matters to the community yeah um and and so this this piece is like one of the it's one of the reasons that you're referenced a lot on this podcast and it was it was a specific conversation i had with aaron strout and and a handful of other um prior guests where we were trying to understand men's distance running versus women's distance running and it's fairly Ooh. um it's an interesting reflection that tommy rivers is the other person that comes to mind yeah when when we think about going for the otq and he's his his community and our community has raised three hundred thousand dollars for his family for his recovery because of him and who he is and what he brings to the community and the outpouring of support that you had is similar in that you've lifted so many other people up and allowed so many other people to chase their dreams or or burn the boat as you say um and so i want to i want to ask the question to you why do you think you two are the only or two of two of the only people that come to mind, two of the only men that come to mind in that discussion of, you know, if you look at women's distance running, it's thriving because everyone's doing something awesome. And, you know, there are 500 women in the, in the trials field and um, it's, it's at a place that it's never been before. And your friend is doing it and your mom is doing it and your training partner is doing it and this and that. I don't know that we have that in in men's running, and so I'm curious. Like, why is it why is it just you two? 
I mean, it's a really good question around, there's the sports side of it, there's the stereotypical, like, male-female tendency to share. Um, we know that the men's and women's qualifying times were not relatively equal, um, which has all sorts of thoughts on both sides. Um, I tend to think, like, the way that, I think it's largely agreed by the people who love the sport and want to see it grow and love celebrating a sport, that the women's time um allowed for a lot more excitement a lot more celebration right um right that said i'm really glad that oh i'm split because i'm really glad that i've run sub 220 three times and i know that i wouldn't have if it had been anything less um if it had been 221 222 you know um you shoot for the standard so it is interesting i I think that what we got to see, I wish someone could like map it out. Like there was these waves of women qualifying for the 245 time. Um, and that year, like three years ago, fall of 17 and then 18 was a big wave. And then 19 was a huge wave. And then even women who went to Houston in 2020, uh, for more, like there was this, this crazy, like the door is open, rush through the door. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and so there's women who qualified that I didn't really know of much, beforehand and then in hindsight have learned like oh they chopped the 13 minutes off their time in the lead up <laughs> and you're like that's insane um but it, yeah it's this idea of like the window to an opportunity on a dream is open like rush in um and there's all sorts of women who just barely you know missed out by small amounts medium amounts and still are like oh you know what i chopped 23 minutes off my pr and i still came up six minutes short and you're like wow i mean I know something about what that's like. And that means you ran a totally different marathon in a totally different right. way. And that's really still awesome. And that's generally the sentiment. Um, so I think there's a momentum factor to um, once more women started qualifying, then more women tried to qualify. Um, and then more stories came out about it. Um, the men's field time being harsher um, and keeping the field smaller you tended to get less um, crazy dreamers, like really uh, qualifying. I wouldn't say you had, by the end, you had, like, there's been videos of uh, the pack at CIM this year and just like how many men went out under pace uh, through a half, through 15 miles. Um, and there's like tons of, men from all different parts of the country and i know this happened at several races so there's like some of that um a lot of them failed you know and i'll just say like there's a the men's time was harsh enough that like most of the people who qualified like are damn good runners you know you like look back through their career and you're like oh shit like you ran at that yeah. pool like okay you know, not us. You ran at that division in that it's like fat, fast enough that it's like it's not it's not a breakthrough race. It's like this is somewhat calculated, right? Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, you ran at that division one school and you were all conference. Like, um, you had to put some things together to figure out the marathon. But like, I mean, I literally turned to some of the guys after Houston who had finished within sixty seconds of me ahead, and then like understood who they were. And you're like, oh, that guy's qualified twice before. You know, like <laughs> right so he's run like a 64 minute half a couple of years ago and now for for whatever reason he left it to the last minute at Houston in, in this olympic cycle but like 
to him right. if he's not a good runner. So like, and I don't begrudge those guys. They're awesome. Um, but yeah, there's multiple factors that, you know, even in getting into like the whole controversy over the shoes, like you have this, you, essentially a bunch of women said like to other women, you realize like this time is actually achievable, even though it seems totally nuts, 244. And like these new shoes have come out, which I think there's a absolutely a physiological component an oxygen efficiency component, but there's also a like dreamer component of this is going to make marathoning different than it's ever been. And so um, it's, it allowed men and women to go after a time in a really exciting way. Um, And that to me is like one of the things that I love about the new shoes, whatever brand, but you know, I'm a vapor fly uh, original guy. And just like this idea of like the marathon doesn't have to smash you in the face and you fail. (laughs) That's like sort of how it was thought about forever. And now it's like people are figuring out different elements from the nutrition side from the footwear side um, and just be like, you can tackle this and don't be afraid to go after some bigger stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think then there's been some great storytellers to just, uh, you know, whether, it, you know, Ali Feller brought on all these women in Atlanta, brought them on a podcast. There's been all these interviews with different women who said like, Oh wow, this dream um, is really a lot of fun um, and we should go for it. And I will say, though, even there's a side to it where wherever you set that number, it you tend to congregate. Um, so I've even talked to women who've qualified who are damn good runners. And I talked to some women uh, at the Speed Project, uh, for instance, who in Vegas were like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, that was totally insane. And that pushed me in ways I've never been pushed. And these are women who had qualified for the trials but they're really good runners and the way the women's time was set they were able to qualify without it being sort of like the utmost limit of their ability um and that's totally fine but like then they had they went they did that they otq'd and then they you know went off in the desert and smashed themselves (laughs) to figure out like okay what (laughs) what does the edge of failure look like um and right had really cool experiences elsewhere uh, so there's like i do think there's it all it's just all to say like it's when these goals you know bring people out of the woodwork and have their stories to tell um so like tommy is a great runner he's been a really good runner and a really champion on of taking on goals for years um and he you know i have how do you say like I have so much admiration for him because he took on a lot of goals and he did it. He does it his own way. Like he did his pursuit of that goal, his own way. Like I would be training in my lead up for CIM and I'd see him running in the grand Canyon, (laughs) like talking on Instagram live or on like a Instagram story about like, this is the run that fills my soul and that like rejuvenates my ability. And you know, the traditionalist in me and the traditionalist and a lot of people are like, ah, not really specific enough training for like achieving the goals you want but then he was also doing other um races um i've had the time over the last two weeks to go through like the last five years of tommy's instagram um and what i realized is that like he had been 
operating at a level until his recent injury, like he'd been hovering at this like really nice level of fitness where he could just like, he has an amazing like nine story recap of um, a rock and roll race. Where is it? Like somewhere in Arizona where he just like documents the marathon that he didn't even like enter until a week before um, because he was in that level of fitness. And then he just like, I mean, this is the first, actually, it was the first race I heard about him was um, it's from three years ago. And he, he shows up, he brings his family down and then in the, he shows up to the line and there's all these badass runners and he gets pissed. He's like, Oh, I'm not going to win. I, it's not even worth being here. And then he goes out and he just like runs on anger for so long that he basically breaks all the other runners and they're like, screw this guy, like whatever. Um, and he doesn't end up running like that, that fast for whatever reason on that day, but he it's racing and he broke the other dudes. <laughs> um, and he won and it's just like a crate. I mean, he's recounting how he, he was running off of Eminem lyrics and anger and like, anger towards his own life events, anger towards all sorts of things. But then like finding, you know, appreciation and love by the end. Um, it's a journey. And this is the first time I, that was the first time I learned about him was someone pointed me to that series of posts. Um, and then actually shortly after he went to the Boston marathon and qualified, uh, he hit, he ran sub two nineteen, which was totally insane. Cause correct me if I'm wrong. You ran Boston 2017. Yeah. He ran 218 in 7, 2017, which was like, I mean, you were on the. Brutal. It was so yeah. brutal. It was so, I, I was kissing the ground. It was so yeah. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I've heard about. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people went to the medical tent that day. It was really <laughs> like, um, it was so hot. Sneaky hot. Well, no. Well, I recall it as like, it was so hot in Hopkinton. Um, it was so like direct sunlight heat radiating that guys are looking at each other yeah. like uh fuck it right like this is done like today's <laughs> off right like no right and everyone's kind of looking at each other like are you sure we got to do this now i mean <laughs> the, you can look it up and they'll be like it was only 74 degrees what were you complaining about but you know it's always that thing of like you're coming out of the winter it's 74 degrees in april yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like your body is totally not used to it and it feels like 104 <laughs> and so sure enough <laughs> it, like turns out that he was Tommy was training by run commuting 11 miles each way to his, you know, graduate program and all these crazy things. But he just like threw himself straight into that and raged on uh, with the pack and ran 218. And you're just like, like what? <laughs> um, and he's willing to articulate that and he's willing to throw it out there. And um, you can see how there is a positive feedback loop in storytelling that people who i mean i would include myself in this like as i've shared more and gotten a positive response it has enabled me to have the confidence to share even more um yeah it's it's wild it it, maybe it's not wild how it works it's cool how it works i that's sort of the the focus i've taken with social media as well um it's not it's not a highlight reel it's like this is life this is the ups these are the ups these are the downs and everything in between um, I've taken a lot of inspiration from from you and from the group out in Flagstaff mm. um, with the Hoka team out there with how uh, Northern Arizona Elite with with how they approach social media. And yeah, it is storytelling and um, it's totally meaningless to post a photo of your, you know, eight to 10 mile run every day unless there's 
sort of a, co- a common thread or or consistency between it. Sorry, it's not meaningless. <laughs> it adds it adds value. Yeah. It, if it gives you meaning, it's great. It adds value if if you can come at it in this um, storytelling approach. And then there's the this exactly what you were saying. You know, bring everyone along for the ride and and allow people to raise their own bar. Um, I get a lot of messages. I'm sure you do as well from people who appreciate the um, the storytelling aspect and the like. Hey, I'm going to put myself out there and take risks and whatnot, and I'm going to challenge myself to run sub four or to run a marathon or whatever it might be. Um, and I think it's so cool that that we can we can do that kind of stuff. And I think you can get connected to different stories at different times that make meaning for you. I mean, one thing I think is worth highlighting always is like it's okay to unfollow people and it's okay to walk away from storytellers that are not helping you um i'll give you an example recently i was a friend she was posting about racial justice stuff a lot and i just didn't really like her tone about it she wasn't she's very appropriate and she's very like she's pushing people to do more but i didn't particularly appreciate her tone um for a variety of reasons that just didn't really speak to me. Um, and I mentioned it to a friend and she was like, Oh, I don't mind her tone at all. Um, I think it's, I think it's really good. And I actually think she's more talking to her other female friends who in this case, she felt like are being sort of lazy in their activism and just like, she, she's trying to push them to do more. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's totally fine. It doesn't need to be for me. And I can go find people who I'm inspired by. Um, and I mean, there's a negative side of that, which is like the filter bubble element, but there's also the positive side of it. Like you don't have to, things don't have, are not universally negative or positive. Uh, and I think that's what we see with all these different micro communities of running where, you know, um, sometimes people are inspired by people. And sometimes they say like, I, I need to unfollow this person. I had a friend who was going through a lot of health trouble and she's like, oh, I had to unfollow you. you see, <laughs> seeing you post about running just made me so sad. Um, and I was like, oh, totally. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for telling me. Um, that's just honest. Yeah, I think that's, I, um, I think it's important to remember that if you don't like what you see on your social feeds, you can unfollow people. Um, I I did that. I went through like a pretty large unfollowing spree in January or February. Mm. Um, just stuff like I didn't want to see. And, you know, maybe i Maybe I did or didn't know these people, but um, somehow I began following them. And yeah. yeah, it's it's your feed. You can mute them. You can unfollow them. Whatever. Um, I think that if it's impacting your mental health or you know your experience with you know with a certain platform, you you have every right to do that. Yeah, it, it, I think it's great. Um, and particularly as someone who starts to put out more content, I have to remind myself of that because, like, so for instance, uh, like what was it two days ago? I posted a letter to Tommy, um, who's a friend, you know, who we're talking about, who's in the hospital, just as like a emotional expression of support for him. Um, and I also emailed it to this email list that I started um, a year and a half ago. And I got like a very small number, but I got unsubscribed to my <laughs> email list. <laughs> and you're, so like the, you know, the part of you is like, all you did, you're not. There's not that many of you that have signed up for this email list, and all I've ever promised is I'll I'll email you writings I, I have about running, and 
you know, even if, if it's one percent, it was a great email. <laughs> yeah. They're like, nope, this is not no longer interested. And I'm like, this is it. So <laughs> it's crazy. I, of all things, um, that's that's been something that I've noticed to be kind of sad um, as I've posted more about Black Lives Matter and oh yeah, anti-racism and anti-Semitism. Um, people unfollow, and it's like. I I saw I saw a conversation with Noah Drotti this morning. Um, somebody, a guy, um, replied to Noah and was like, "Yeah, stay in your lane." Basically, uh, un- hashtag unfollow. And it's like, really, dude? Like, I, I think it's 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 weird, but it's great. And it's uh, yeah, I definitely saw that. I had a, a string of posts um, in late May, early June about. Um, I mean, it's just such. All I'm reminded is that like any guys like you and me are like a little bit out there. Um, and so like the moment we- <laughs> I'd say a little bit, yeah. <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. No, I was going to say like, we've extend ourselves a little bit into sharing and we get like a little bit of blood, a little bit of unfollow. We're, we're definitely out there and we're definitely goofballs. Um, right. But um, I'm always reminded when women will post online and be like man you should see the comments i get or you should see the yeah. replies i get and you're like oh yeah this is totally i mean my wife um got pushed back about something online recently and i was like oh that's such a sweet like you're encountering your first little like um well that woman doesn't know troll me. yeah yeah like it was a disagreement i'm like so then i quickly uh google i did a Google search of things people have said about me on Let's Run and sent it to her. And she's like, oh, how dare these people? Um, and I was like, no, it's like, it's hilarious. You got to take it, you know, laugh about it. But you go, um, it helped put some things in context. And I know that's like, it's, there's always orders. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. So Is what you're saying for exactly. us. Yeah. Exactly. And we're coming from it, at it from a place of um, where we'll be fine. You know? Um, I mean, I think as we know, like I just mentioned, let's run like anything that is going to, a guy's going to experience on there. is going to pale in comparison to some of the things women have experienced on those boards. And so um, you just have to keep things in perspective. Definitely. Thanks again to UCAN for sponsoring this episode. I've run two marathons fueled on UCAN and have experimented with it over the years and have found quite a positive impact on some specific health related metrics that I'll be following again over the coming months. Typical sports nutrition products aren't something you would consume throughout the day, but many use UCAN as part of their daily routine for healthy energy. And I can't get enough of the chocolate peanut butter bars. Superstarch is the underlying carbohydrate in UCAN, and it provides long-lasting energy by keeping your blood sugar stable, and it is super easy on the stomach. Available in powder and bars, you can save 15% on your order at UCAN.co with the code FTLR, like for the long run. Um, One of the things that I've... I've brought up a handful of times on the podcast recently is around um, what we're talking about, like how, how do we do better? And as people, you know, who are, who are out there and sharing and open and whatnot, um, what are the things that, that you've been doing that have, you know, you might not have been doing them last year mm. or, or are there things you're doing differently that are now intentional? Um, let me think. So in, in regards to racial equality and social justice that we were just discussing. Yeah. Or in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the hard 
interesting is I would I find it such a weird time, which we know it is. Um, it's sort of like why is this happening now um, in the era of COVID and the era of quarantine? Um, and there's like a really interesting uh, podcast code switch that did a like why now white people um and right yeah, yeah all the reasons um including you know like we have this time on our hands and the topic isn't changing we're not able to run back to our lives so um i would say what i'm doing is not enough but what i'm trying to do is read up on multiple perspectives um i have a strong like a lot of things in my mind come back to like multiple things can be true at once. And I just find that to be like constantly this theme that, um, is like, yes, but all of this that you guys are debating could really just be summed up with like multiple things can be true at once. So like reading about the white experience of racism or the, of race in in America and our history, I think is incredibly important because as a white person, it can be very illuminating. Um, and then people have said like, you should read, you know, black literature, you should read black, you know, narratives that both are historical or just personal. And I think that's totally true. Um, I don't think one negates the other. I, I think they're, it's sort of like for, to each their own of where they are in the journey of trying to um, understand the context better. And then there's the constant reminder that, you know, Black Lives Matter is not just some like graduate level education course for white people to be better. Right. It's about um, improving the lives of black people. Now I'd say like, if you're going to just start the clock in the spring, which is totally absurd because it should have started much in much grander ways, much sooner. Um, but let's just to say that like time is only some time has passed. And so it's like, how do you support ongoing initiatives right now? Um, and, and just give yourself time to wake up to like, what are the ways that we could be better? Um, but I find that really weird because at the same time, I'm like mostly sitting at home to avoid getting a, pandemic disease you know so that's like people like it's not about social media and i'm like well let me talk to you about the people i'm not seeing in person pretty much everyone Um, right so i think that's (laughs) if there's a lot of you and i are on social media a lot and so a lot of these things can sort of explicitly or implicitly like be referencing social um ideally right in a non-pandemic world all these conversations are manifesting in like more meaningful ways in person and that's where actually like a friend of mine in Portland and I like would watch the daily COVID count in Portland. And I texted him a couple of weeks into the protests because Portland had sustained protests every day. And I said, like, we got to admit, um, these protests have not led to an outbreak of the virus. Like we were fearing, um, for any number of reasons, we don't really know yet why, but, um, thank God, because, uh, there've been a lot of protests and people have been out there and largely they've worn masks and, try to stay safe but um i think that is one way to um really i mean it's so insane to be on the east coast and to have my hometown in the national news um being highlighted as all these things um and so what's that what's that like to see it, it's totally absurdist basically um it's basically it just it takes what you're able to see is that it takes everything takes everything as it is and multiplies it by 10 or in yesterday's case, a hundred when the president says that like your, your hometown would have been gone if he hadn't saved it. Um, and you're just like, well, this is, 
I mean, it just made me smile because it is horrible, but it's totally absurd. It's like the definition of absurd. So in some ways, it's this weird world we live in because I just like caring for my family. And uh, I mean, I feel in some ways maybe ashamed about it, but I was not going to be, if I'd been in Portland the last two weeks, I was probably not going to be at the Justice Center, you know, after 11 p.m. getting tear gassed, um, which is something I'm thinking about, something I need to give some thought to um, because a lot of people were there. And I think overwhelmingly the work, the pressure they're applying is well-meaning. And so as a result, a lot of what I would have taken in regardless would have been through Twitter and um, would have been through social media. Even though I'm like on the East Coast, I, I have friends who are like seeing the same things and they're two miles away from the it's a very small portion of the city that is under this heavy level of conflict. And when they reference the 50 days of protests, it was a proud track record of, you know, protests through the city. And there was, um, you know, I posted a video of my son um, waving and like cheering for the protesters because they were going every night through different parts, parts of the city in different directions. And then there were protests that were in cars where, you know, People wanted to stay socially distant, but they would just drive through neighborhoods and honk their horns and have signs up. And so you're like, there's different ways of participating. Um, and in a global pandemic, you got to respect all variety. Um, How did you explain it to your son or did, did you explain it? Yeah. I mean, he's five and we've been in, walking into those topics in, um, you know, it's, it's a great time to be alive. Like, I think we know that these topics weren't really broached when I was a kid. Not really. Um, not in the right same way. So it's, um, it's been an interesting time of just waiting into, okay, we can talk about this man died because he knows about death. Um, and then, you know, interestingly, he doesn't understand the, you know, justice system yet. So he, he'll routinely ask every couple of days, like, is the man who killed that man still in jail? And then he'll want to know like how long he's going to be in jail. And we're like, well, he's going to get a trial and we'll explain it. Um, and it's just, it's an exploration I think for every family and every parent. Um, we, we came up against the fact that like he asked how he died and my wife just like realized in that moment, she didn't really want to say, cause it was so uncomfortable. Um, so dehumanizing it was so painful um but then we worked through it and we explained like in you know age-appropriate ways like the danger that um george floyd had incurred and then how he died um so i just say like there's so many layers to it and there's so much work to be done we have a great book um about the lunch counter sit-ins um called someday is today um and it (laughs) talks about I have a big, as a storyteller, like a big pet peeve of like, I don't like any of these. You're a storyteller? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, this is my favorite. It's like that, on Let's Run, they'll be like, oh, let me hear your 6,000 word story about how you missed. And I'm like, you know, it's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true. Um, but there are, <laughs> there are books about social justice that like are not really stories. They're just, they have characters and they, tell facts let's say like and then there are stories about where there's a narrative arc there's tension there's 
you know, an outcome. So there's a great one about the lunch counter sit-ins and how, you know, they, they age appropriately describe like the violence they encountered, the harshness and the rudeness that people encountered at the lunch counter sit-ins. Um, and then, and why they were doing it. And then the result of like what came of it. And it's a great book because there is a narrative arc. There's characters that you're like kind of worried about, and then they come out and there was actually, you know, a great resolution. And so through books like that, you're able to talk about like um, all the number of ways and layers to the, how inequality has manifested over the years. And so I don't, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this youngest, youngest generation, how they grow up in different parts of the country and, you know, like how they think about these things, having learned about them in more real ways from such a young age. Got it. Yeah. I've been, I haven't asked that question and I'm fascinated to know how parents are handling these conversations. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that. Switching gears a little bit. Um, I am reminded of, of a Twitter thread oh, yeah. from you back in May. So <laughs> Uh, I'm going to turn around one of the questions uh, that you had proposed. Uh, so so basically the point of this is you were on a running interviews podcasting rant. You said, podcasters, please make sure to dig in deeper with your guests. Find the details that they have experienced as runners that make them unique and interesting. Stop glossing over their journey. If they're pros, they've likely done cool stuff. This this Twitter thread actually inspired me to to change my guest list pretty dramatically. Oh. Um, I had been pretty reserved and pretty set on only interviewing pros and and making um, or, or elites or in some cases sub elites and uh, or very high performing individuals in other careers: Lindsey Kraus, mm. um, Jen Miller, people like that, uh, Aaron Strout. Um, and this this thread led me to think about all the conversations I had with the pros because like I sat down with Kara Goucher and I was like, look, you've done some cool stuff in your career. We're not going to talk about any of it. Mm. And so I realized that, that the conversations I was having with the pros are not interesting because they're pros, but they're interesting because they are successful and and they've they've achieved things and I want to know what's allowed them to be successful but they're just interesting characters and they're interesting people and so like that's obviously not reserved to yeah. professional athletes so I've I've changed up my 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 um guests quite a bit and I'm trying to make it a little bit more mixed but at the same time still digging into those you know interesting conversations so um it's funny you continued far too many interviews with runners sound like i started running young turns out i was fast i turned pro it's about the process but really it's about the community um <laughs> you said many of these things yourself so <laughs> well, because what I, um, I know it is but one i just have to jump in I, I, that morning i had seen a list of i can't even remember where this person was like we're gonna we're gonna do a series of interviews here are the people who are going to be interviewed and then the half dozen of name list of names were all like pros who were badasses who who'd done things um but what i realized was like i didn't that that wasn't enough right and like sure they're probably yeah. good interviews but it's like it's just sort of you know kyle merber is a great example of like someone who's really interesting he could like you know you could throw him a ball of clay and he'll make something amazing out of it but like he was just featured in the new york times because he's gone through this experience of dealing with the setback of the olympics 
and the Olympic trials being postponed. And so there's, right. there's some... It's, it's the human aspect of it. But it's also the events and it's the experience. If you said like, you know, um, the per, Jonathan Levitt parentheses, some topic, some moment, some journey. They, I mean, someone replied to me about that tweet thread and they said like, you know, Terry Gross tends to bring people on when they've just put something out in the world or just gone through something or there's like, there's some point of tension um that then mm-hmm. she can dig into um and not just like promote a movie but try to say like and we're going to hear about you know the journey of going from mostly playing nice characters to playing a villain and you're like oh that's interesting because you're like yeah i mean um you know again everyone's different like i have a, like we we're saying about social media like i have a particular i know enough about running because i've been around it my whole life that um hearing how people got into running it can be interesting for the backstory but like i want to know you know like what was kara's experience like at those moments where she's really struggled and she's come out with you know more and more stories about that and then also moments of like she's actually made moves in races to win global medals (laughs) and you're like holy (laughs) i mean maybe it's the same as you know when i went from fifth to third in like a league meet but like probably not and that's where i'm like wait um so even so that's where like i geek out a little bit and i'm like let's let's dig into the details um and not everyone agreed with me and i thought that was interesting yeah but i i think that for the purpose of this podcast like that that summarizes the whole experience like i really don't care about successes in the same way that another running podcast might i care about like what happens next or how did you get there or what are the takeaways like i tweeted i tweeted this afternoon about the podcast i did with alexi pappas last week and i said some of my my favorite conversations are with pros who have reached a high level and are able to reflect and and understand what has allowed them to get there and in this episode with alexi she essentially outlined her roadmap for growth and success and and failing and making tweaks and changes Mm -hmm. and getting better and it doesn't matter that she's run a 230 something marathon or a 330 something marathon or a five hour marathon or a 10 hour marathon. Everything she said was accessible to anybody, even if you didn't run. And so like these, that's what I'm digging in for. And that's what I'm interested in learning. So one of the questions that you proposed in that thread is when did they totally fail and what did they learn from that? Um, so I, I, I'm going to turn, turn the <laughs> mic around on you. Uh, let's let's hear your answer for that one. I mean, for me, this most recent chapter of my running that I write about a lot um, has been really decently smooth and decently. Um, it's been all these amazing little presents that I've gotten to unwrap, um, and as a, when I've now that I've had all these damn months to sit and think about it uh it, what's what becomes clear is like it's all a result of how much i failed in college and how much i i mean i literally called my parents i think sophomore year and i was almost in tears and i was doing a lot of this i was basically doing like journaling about like why running meant a lot to me um and i'll just say this in like a non-judgmental way it was very like um it was very like basic 
it was very juvenile. And I don't mean, I mean, I, w- I went through it. And so I'm criticizing myself, but just to say, like, when I read a lot of people's, like, what they're learning from running, I'm like, oh, I remember that. I just happened to have gone through that, like, many years ago. Um, I was like, you know, basically what I was was trying to run as much as I dreamed I could. Because in college, like, you literally think, like, every day matters. And if you miss a day, I know we say, like, oh, if you miss a day in the lead up to a, a marathon, it can feel bad if you're new to it. Uh, it's all the same themes, but like, right. you know, you're on a team. So a coach can only coach a team so much, you know, he tries to do some individual coaching. He, she like tries to do the best they can, but like they really have to. Um, so I basically spent multiple years totally inspired and totally burnt out. And I've, I've talked about this a little bit, but like I can remember certain moments where, um, I mean, I had a 1500 indoor race where I just ran so crappy, like I didn't, wasn't able to do any of the moves I wanted to do. I just got dropped and, um, you know, sure enough, I was decently injured or, um, like the bullet point list was I, my hips were out of alignment. My like stride was off. I ended up going home and like going through the emotional element of like journaling how upset I was calling my parents and being like, do I not want it enough? Like I couldn't, I couldn't make the moves when I knew I needed to and I knew the team needed me and all this stuff that you go through as a team on a team Um, or, you know, not on a team, like people running road races that have poured so much in and they're like, why am I doing all this? Why am I taking all this time away from my family, away from my career for this stupid 5k that didn't go well? Um, But then I, for some reason realized like, wait a second. And I did some math and I was like, I think I ran about 6% slower than I would have liked to or would have expected to. And I knew my hips were out of alignment. Like I knew my core and my, um, just my stride was off. And I'm like, oh, it's so off. And that could easily be chalked up to 6%. Now I didn't know enough to know how to go fix it. Um, and how to like. And the four, the 4% four weren't out yet. So you couldn't have made <laughs> that, that you know, 4% gap right there. <laughs> that would have blown people's minds. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, if you could have a time machine and go bring the alpha fly <laughs> to the start of Boston. Before they were banned on the track. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but these things, yeah. Like, so my whole, basically when I came back to the Boston bombing happened 2013, I was running, you know, on a daily basis, but not really many workouts and not any races really. And I said like, okay, I want to run Boston next year. I need a qualifier. And I was in like decent fitness. And so I jumped into it, but I was like, I need to not, and it was actually a great uh, lesson. I like qualified, but my hips got out of alignment. That's just my injury. Like everyone, what's interesting is bon- uh, Tommy Puzzi, uh talks at length about his training philosophy, and he, he always talks about stress fractures because that's his. That's what happens to him. Um, that's yeah. how his body breaks down. I've never had a stress fracture. Um, my body breaks down in other ways, probably before I even get to the point of stress fractures. And I know you've been just going through it journey like this um where so anyways i injured myself in the lead up to that just a little bit and i was like oh yeah like you're not gonna fucking do this again this sport is not worth the mental anguish of being injured all the time so you're only gonna do it you're gonna like really really watch that line and not watch the line in like sort of the way you sort of said you were back in college of like oh um you know, I'm going to be smart this week. And then my buddy would be like, Hey, want to run 12? 
and you know you had seven, you had seven in your mind and you're like yeah i'll run 12 um right so i just did that for so many years and went through so much emotional anguish as a result that i've been able to spend the last six years largely staying healthy and like really chasing down any little pains and knowing the signs of those pains early um so i mean i could dive into any number of races that i just like failed spectacularly at and like to the degree that like i i used to end i was lucky enough to go to the division three cross-country meet national championship with my team three years and i was fairly injured by that meet most years um like had different soft tissue injuries my stride was off like so efficiency is off so you're just like wobbling at the back of the pack you know um and those experiences were so like frustrating because you're at the national championship like you want to be flying um for where that and you want to do everything you can for your team but realistically you're just going to kind of like be dragging your body around the course um and so i'm then i have been had this amazing benefit of having like basically two chapters big chapters to my running career which was like early where it had a whole bunch of mixed results and then i've had this like able to have a much smoother experience the last six years that's awesome um last question i think because i could go for hours with you on this we should just chat some other time (laughs) (laughs) definitely um what are you looking forward to in the remainder of 2020 what i'm oh well it's sort of like this what level are we talking at but i mean i'm hoping i texted again my friend patrick and said you know it feels weird to be returning to portland i've been lucky enough to be able to be on the east coast for a month um and not have this big major marathon on the horizon and not have this you know time frame to really build uh, but i do feel emotionally ready to take on like focused training and sort of living that lifestyle again um whereas i I was struggling in like a lot of people in March, April, May, June of like, what's it mean? Why, why does it matter? You know? And if you have any of that, you can't really train at the level that you ideally would want to uh, be at. Um, if you're going to achieve something and use that fitness to pay off in big experiences. And so, um, I'm, what I'm looking forward to in that micro, micro, uh, element of my life which affects all the other parts of my life is just like having settled into this quarantine life enough to say like okay um i need to stop being so angsty about like what's it all mean and where's it all going to go and just uh, settle into that that process again that i i've you know i've been running but i've been like gotten far away from where i was over the previous two years that i really enjoyed um and so i'm excited that i'm we'll see you know i'll I like saying it out loud because it'll be interesting to see in a couple of months if I can hold to that. But um, it's been an emotional journey like we opened this conversation with around like I was really looking forward to running New York and I didn't have a bib yet, but I was looking at maybe doing a charity bib because I really wanted to run the 50th anniversary of New York. And I was like, that'll be so exciting. That'd be like a you know rock concert of marathoning. Um, and then you're like, oh, that's going to get canceled. Um, and it all got pushed off. So I had been struggling with that and I feel like I've come to a better terms of, you know, we can 
settle into that rhythm of training hard um, and put some goals on the calendar. So I hope to like try to figure out some goals that I that scare me enough that I can go after them, um, put them out there, and um, but they're definitely weirder right now. I, I'm trying to figure out like what inspires me and um, and really put a put a line in the sand that like will scare me enough to get back to it. If you had to choose today, what would it be? Um, so on my short list is I've never broken 15 for the 5k and I put that, that was my dream of dreams in college. And I put that to bed and I sort of put it behind me and said like, um, well, that's never didn't happen in college and <laughs> my lifestyle has gotten away. And like, um, and then even as I've come back to marathoning, I've been like, uh, it's not really, it's not, it's a different type of training. Um, but then last year on my birthday, I ran 1508. Um, and I was like, well, that was, and like, you know, um, the 5k is like short enough that you're like within an hour of running when you're like, man, I want another one of those in a couple of weeks. Uh, right. You know, it's like, oh, I kind of fell off the back of that wave and I want to ride it again. And so, um, that's one. Um, and I think some of the guys on my team are inspired to, this is all like sort of COVID and safety dependent, like find ways to train for some speed. Um, and we'll see uh, what I can stand up there. And then this is totally, um, I'm inspired by like kind of random stuff. And so um, the two others were, the one I came up with was like, I'm going to turn 40 next summer. And I really like running six minute pace. <laughs> so it feels weird to say out loud. Um, so I'm like, you can come pace me for a 10 K. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, could I run 40 miles at six minute pace. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and it's totally, it's a little bit of a weird one. Cause I really don't even know what I'm saying. Cause I've never run over a 50 K, which is 31 miles. And it was much slower than that. It was a trail one. So, um, I, I hesitate. I, I didn't hesitate. I just said it out loud. Um, but it's enough of a, um, you know what I mean? Like, some, yeah, it's just like it's cr it's crazy enough that you might want to do I it. I want to do it, yeah. And so I see people like PRing in the 10k on the track and during quarantine, and I'm like, let me talk to you about how uninspired I am to go do that right now. <laughs> like that, that literally, you could say it to me on a you know, and you could have a heart rate monitor on, and my heart would not move. I find it. <laughs> just, Is this guy breathing? Yeah, like totally chill. Um, but some people are super fired up about it and they've gone after it and they've run some amazing times i as you as you say that i'm i'm like thinking about running a mile time uh -huh. trial as well uh -huh. on a track as well as a road half marathon yeah. those are like the things that are like slowly coming around my my half marathon pr is a 127 low okay. and i've run yeah. a three-hour marathon yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like uh that doesn't match yeah. up and i mean um, so stuff that i suspected that i mean um, you had posted stuff about, you know, this buildup you're doing with the community leading into the fall. And I was like, you know, it sounds as though Jonathan has aligned enough of the pieces that he's fired up and is about like finding the right course and going after it and caring the whole time. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's caring the whole time. So my original only goal for this summer was to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday, uh, with all of my friends on my favorite, um, 
my favorite, like merging all of my favorite Boston routes together, mm-hmm. basically taking, <laughs> taking the train out to um, Wabin and running from Newton Wellesley hospital in yeah. the marathon course and then around the river and then to castle Island and then finishing on the Esplanade at the beer garden there. Now I have no desire to figure out how to carry that much water or get that much water. And I don't want to run it without my friends. So yeah. <laughs> stop doing that. My, uh, I, my, my coach just loaded in my birthday workout and it is a 30 minute warm up a 30 by one minute on one minute Ooh. off and 30 minute cool down. I did. Um, I did a 15 by one minute on Wednesday and I would, I, uh, yesterday. And I was like, by the 14th, I was like, I don't ever want to stop. This feels so good. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think he took that to mean, give him twice. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it, like, like what you were saying, like, I haven't, I haven't gotten excited about um, any sort of time trial or, or virtual racing until um, until I've been thinking more about like, okay, I, I'm now pretty fit and I'd like to go give that a test. Like I've been, I've been running 50 miles a week on five, mi- five days of running and biking like six to eight hours on top of that. Wow. And so I yeah. feel, pre- I feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, so you're like, yeah, and so I'd like to components. give it a Exactly. So, yeah, I think I think the whole point of this time is like do what excites you and if training doesn't excite you, don't train. But if you are able to find the excitement and fulfillment and joy in the training, you're going to you're going to, you know, be pretty fit in the fall and the winter and next spring and whenever the races do come back. Yeah. I mean, did you catch I think if I caught this right there was like a low key post by des that she took a month off yes uh, yeah and you're like <laughs> she said something like oh my first my first run in a month and you're like wait a second um yeah. she has you know she's on her own journey sort of like on the back half of her career going like what's the best way she really i definitely look up to her like a lot of people do but i look up to her as someone who's like similar age and is like you're really 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 gonna have to trust your body's instincts at this um right. moment in your career because if it's off and you try to push it's probably not going to sustain for very long um exactly so yeah no i think it's there maybe we could we could write this out like the elements you need to have lined up you need the fitness for sure and then you need the inspiration but then you need like the event that like just stokes your imagination imagination in the right way um yeah exactly Cool. Where can we follow you if we don't if we don't follow your six thousand word essays or your <laughs> your lovely Instagram posts? Um, I'm at Bronca um, on Instagram and <laughs> Twitter and Medium <laughs> um, and PeterBronca.com has all my writing and you can sign up for a newsletter that I really only email out about my coming <laughs> and you're welcome to unsubscribe if you decide not to follow anymore. This is this podcast is brought to you by peter's newsletter please subscribe and then unsubscribe yeah (laughs) Yeah. peter thanks so much as always um we'll have to do this again sometime awesome man great to chat talk to you soon likewise that's it for today's episode like many long runs it's sad when it has to end i hope you join in next week on for the long run and in the meantime happy trails If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.